Hello, and welcome to Plot Dress. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Joy to the Duke by Darcy Burke. This was published in 2019 and is the third book in the Love is All Around series. And the Love is All Around series is a series of Christmas novellas. We've reviewed the prior two and re-released them recently, so you can find them in the your podcast feed in the last couple of weeks. And this is the final novella in that series. Yes. Before we get started, I'm going to change things up a little bit because I realized we're talking about Christmas and what is the most American tradition at Christmas? Um, it's commercialization, right? Just want to let you know, if you're looking for something really amazing to give your friend who likes plot trips, we do actually have merch, which is available on our website. So you can go to plotrist.wordpress.com and click on merch and you can buy yourself like whatever you want that's on there. We also have a, I think my favorite is we have a mug that says, spoiler alert, they end up together. Is that our tagline? I mean, that's kind of our tagline at this point. You heard it. Anyway, back to the book, which we did not get for free. We bought this book ourselves. It is available in an anthology with the two prior mm-hmm. novellas. So you can get all three in you one can. book. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, I'll read the book jacket. I'll start us off. Denied the woman of his dreams by his father's meddling, Calder Stafford has spent the last decade proving himself to be self-sufficient, austere, and utterly uninterested in joy. Now that he's the Duke of Hartwell, he'll enact his revenge by abolishing the holiday traditions his father loved so well. His sisters will not sway him, and neither will the woman, newly returned to town, who was stolen from him. Returning to Hartwell to care for her mother, widow Felicity Garland is delighted to be back home, especially for the holidays. However, the jolly festivities she expects are nowhere to be found. When she goes to the source of the problem, the Duke, she's astonished to see how much the young man she once loved has hardened. It's up to her to break through the impenetrable fortress around his heart, not just to save Christmas, but to save him. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know. This book was weird. This book was weird. I don't know enough about this book in that if it was released as a standalone, I think this jacket falls a little short. Mm -hmm. I think it was released as the third book in an anthology published together Mm -hmm. with the assumption you'd read the prior two. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, I, I look. I don't. I don't have much to say about it because it's to me. It does reflect the book. So it's fine. Right. Like it's it's this. Unlike the previous two series, the titles doesn't give away which of the Christmas stories it is. Mm-hmm. So Rudy was Rudolph. Yep. And Gift of the Marquis was Gift of the Magi. Mm-hmm. Joy to the Duke is a Christmas Carol. It, okay. So she's obviously channeling a Christmas carol. I think she's also drawing on the claymation or the stop motion animation movie called A Year Without a Santa Claus. 
I'm obsessed with that because I sing I'm Mr. Heat Miser on the daily in the month of December. Okay, but also, listen, Lane, here's my proof. Number one, his nickname is Chill. Number two, he refers to himself several times as a miser. Thus, he is the snow miser. Done. Again, I haven't actually watched it. I I was I thought the guy's name was Chill Miser, not Snow Miser. But I did a like a tiny little bit of research, like looked this up, and um, his name is the Snow Miser. And I'm basically I kind of think that she's drawing on that just a little bit, not a ton, because I don't think it's that I don't think it's well known enough for people to be really into it. I will say like. The word, I don't think the word chill shows up in that. I'll give you snow miser. And I'll give you that chill is like thematically appropriate. But I don't think snow miser ever goes by chill. No, I don't think so either. But I'm just, anyway, that's all. I think she's, she's pulling from that just a little bit. Because, you know, snow miser is, it's, there's a lot of snow in this book too. There is. Not a lot of Christmas though. No, not a lot of Christmas. Okay, random number. We generated a random number out of 25, and the number this time was 13. And then we wrote um, our summaries based on that number, obviously. Lane, take it away. If your ghost of Christmas past, present, and future are dicks, what gives? Good question. I mean, mine is actually very similar. Here's mine. Your dad's abusive. Your girlfriend ghosted you. Obvious next step, become the Grinch. Okay. I will say, based on the first two novellas in this series, I was expecting there to be something underlying chills, dickishness, other than just sentiment. I, I was mean, very prepared for there were to be a financial issue. Oh, I thought I also thought there was going to be a financial issue, but he's just he's just being an ass. He basically he wants to do everything opposite from what his father did. And his father spent money profligately. Is that how you would say that? I don't know. He spent money very freely and actually did deplete some of the resources from the estate. But Calder's fine. He's rich. No big deal. The estate is going to be fine. But he's determined to do everything opposite from his father, which trope. So he decides that he's just going to hoard all his money. He's going to be a miser or Scrooge or Grinch. You know, any of these Christmassy words that you want to use for it. Yeah. So building off that trope, he is very much on the line ends with me. Mm hmm. I knew the opposite of my dad, but also this name will not carry on because he was such a piece of shit. Right. Fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, I think, stupid because it's not realistic at all, but it's fine. My bigger problem was trying to use the Christmas Carol setup with like a ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, but mm -hmm. it's manifested in dreams. Mm-hmm. Led to him having, like, way too many revelations. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, wait. There are a couple of other tropes. So, A Christmas Carol is a trope at this point. 
Christmas Carol. The I hate Christmas slash I love Christmas is the Christmas romance trope. And this is a second chance romance. Right. So chill and what's your fuck? Felicity. So chill and Felicity. We're kind of sneaking around, but also sort of affianced mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And his father determined the match was unsuitable. Trope. And lied to both of them and orchestrated a fictional conflict to get them to stop speaking to each other. Yeah. 10 years later, post miserly descent for him and widowhood for her. They're both confronted with the truth of the reason they stopped talking 10 years ago. hmm Yeah. One would have thought that this would be enough revelation for Calder. I thought it should be enough revelation the for The fact him. that he was still like, it doesn't matter. I was like, why the fuck not? I was like, it does, but that's the whole point. That's the whole point. He's like, no, I've changed too much. I'm not the man I used to be. You wouldn't be happy with me. And he was I like, don't know. If I'd heard all this truth years ago, of course I would have believed her. But after 10 years of believing his father's truth, I'm like, but you fucking hate your dad. <laughs> I know. I know. Why is it so hard to believe her? I know. Okay. So the, what happens in the book is his father told Chill, his father told Calder that, that Felicity, Felicity to get rid of her. So he was like, she was just after your money. She was just a gold digger. I gave her money and she left town. So see, and then Calder is heartbroken. He's really sad about this. And, um, his father also gave Felicity a letter saying, you, ha ha, you were just a fling. Bye. Right. Like you're beneath me as much fun as we had. I can't marry someone like you. So she's heartbroken as well. And then she goes to her dad and she's like, dad, can we just please leave town? And her father's like, sure. I just happened to come into some money. We can leave town. I so, sold the farm. Yes. So the Duke actually paid her father off. So I will say I I was convinced that that was going to be the conflict of the book. Because when... Calder talks to her. She's like, I had no idea. Your father didn't pay me at all. I I don't know what you're talking about. She goes home and confronts her mother and says, Mom, like, what the heck? And her mom was like, oh, yeah, I guess your dad did kind of take some money from the Duke. So she's like, oh, shit. I this was interesting to me because she never thinks to herself, oh, shit, I kind of lied to Calder. Right. And she never even comes close. She never discloses to him that her family did profit financially from this breakup, right? So she never comes clean to him. And then also later in the book, he's like, oh, let's go see your old farm. It's weird. I don't know how it got to be on the books of the dukedom, but we own it now. And I thought there was going to be, he was going to do some investigating and be like, wait a minute. My dad did pay them off. And then she's going to be like, yeah, my mom told me, but I didn't want to upset you. So I didn't tell you. I thought that was going to be the conflict. And it was that plot point was dropped like a hot potato. Totally agree. I was waiting for the fact that she didn't know, but her parents were very complicit to matter Mm -hmm. to him. Yep. 
And it absolutely never does. Which, on the one hand, great. On the other hand, I don't know why we didn't go with that conflict, because what we got was weird as shit. (laughs) Yeah, so overall, the conflict becomes... I think I'm not deserving of love and too dark and jaded a person to ever experience that emotion. And you bring out in me feelings I never wanted to feel and suddenly I'm becoming charitable, nice, kind, and thoughtful. I know. How how awful is it he's becoming a nice guy? If there is a way for this to be done well, it's a novel, not a novella. That's true because I, there wasn't – you're right. I don't think there was enough, enough depth. We never right. got that. And that's not necessarily Darcy Burke's fault except that it's a novella. We don't have the time. We don't have the space to get deep if that's going to be this weird, nuanced, character-based conflict. Right. Like, if he's truly going to feel like he is damned and incapable of feeling the types of emotions that she is worthy of, coming out of that isn't just a question of meeting one orphan. Right. It, It trivializes all of it to make it that easy. Like, yes, it's a stupid conflict. The other thing I want to point out about this book is that so Felicity left town 10 years ago, okay? And she married a guy who was 20 years older than her. 10 years ago, she was 18, 20. So she married a guy who was 30. It's now 10 years later. So this guy was 50 when he died. And they're just acting like, eh, you know, died of old age, whatever. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Please, please don't tell me that I've got 10 more years to live. (laughs) My other favorite part of that is like, yeah, he died at 50, but he was completely impotent and couldn't get it up for like the last six. It's like, yeah, we all know at 44, your dick stops working. (laughs) It's so funny because they were, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, you know, I guess he was old. And then I realized, I was like, no, wait, he really was not that old. <laughs> there are 50-year-old, there are 50-year-old romance heroes. Not very common, but it happens, you know? There are also 50-year-old dead husbands who didn't have dicks that worked for a while. I guess. I mean, but the thing is, they weren't, it's not like she says he was an invalid or anything, right? It was just like, this is a natural decline. And I was like, oh, God, really? That's natural? But okay. <laughs> I, if I thought about it a little too hard, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. This doesn't make sense. I mean, honestly, this is one of those situations where you just have to stop thinking. Yes. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? This The book was short. I mean... It's uh, it's mostly about Chill and him reflecting on the person he's become in the last 10 years since his father drove Felicity away without his knowledge. Yeah. I mean, basically, Felicity finds out that he didn't break up with her. And after that, she's like, oh, well, then I want to be with this guy. I've been in love with him forever. I'm going to do everything I can to be with him. She's very – she doesn't really have a character arc, right? She's basically just, oh, I was operating on um, incorrect information. Now that I have the correct information, I'm going to make things right. And you're right. It, it is all about, it's all about chill. 
she doesn't lament the years lost. She's like, I had a happy marriage, if a non-romantic one. Mm-hmm. Like, can't regret the past. I was taken care of. Happy to be with my mom now. Happy to have the second chance. Overall, like, cool, cool, cool. And chill is... I do think there's a, a, a legitimate conflict going on within him that just can't be adequately described in the context of a novella. Yeah, I you know, I don't think you're wrong. I think it could have been delved into more, but because okay, so let's let's ease our way into content warnings, right? I think because that's what we're verging on. Basically, his father was a total ass to him. Uh, he treated him differently than his sisters. He expected more out of him. I don't think this is a family dynamic that that is that uncommon, right? Like, I think there's often a scapegoat in the family. And in this family, it happens to be chill. Um, I thought one of the most interesting things that happened is he wants to do the opposite of his father, basically because his father was so horrible to him. So he kind of wants to break that cycle of abuse, right? The biggest issue is that his father wasn't a dick to everyone. Like there were things that his father did that were good. He supported the community. He sponsored parties um, and recreation for the town. You know, he took noblesse oblige very seriously. He was a really great father to Bianca and Poppy. And he adored Bianca specifically for the way she channeled physically and behaviorally her deceased mother. Yes. And his mother, so Calder's mother is the one who he misses the most because she was the one who was warm and caring and kind to him. Um, and she died in childbirth, not with Bianca, but um, few, a few years after that. With another son, I guess. Um, but I thought one of the really interesting things that she did in this book was his internal conflict about not wanting to ruin his sister's good memories. So his sisters want to have a good relationship with him. And you may remember from the first two books that they're trying really hard to do things with him as a family, right? Let's have a, you know, Christmas Eve together. Let's do this. Let's do that together. Um, and he's pushing them away partly because his father loved them so much. And again, he wants to do everything opposite from his father, but also because when they're together, they can't help talking about the good old days with dad. And he's like, yeah, those good old days were really not that good for me. And he can, he, it's not just about like, the fact that they talk about him positively, their their deceased father positively is painful for Calder. It's also he's conscious that ex like telling them the truth about his upbringing and where he stands with their father's memory, he recognizes will hurt them. So the fact that like he either has to choose to shatter their illusions and their positive memories of their father or maintain the illusion and thus hurt himself by living a lie. Yeah, exactly. And so I did think that was the most interesting part of the book, but part of the reason why I think a novella, as Lane says, isn't quite enough time to, to really get into this conflict. So instead it got a little bit more of a superficial treatment, um, which was, you know, was a little tough for us. 
like overall it's easier to digest in a Christmas novella than it would be in another context for me. Like it's I am true. always here to like hand wave away conflict in the name of in the Christmas spirit, we all forgave each other. Mary Chrysler. Absolutely. But like Okay. I have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. He has a ghost of Christmas future dream, which is like this terrible dream. Also, it's it is actually so historically accurate, which I thought was funny. <laughs> anyway, he wakes up from this dream and then he like freaks out and he just runs out into the cold and he almost dies of hypothermia. And I was like, did is this supposed to invoke suicidal ideation? Like because even if it wasn't that it's in there, you know? So I just want to put a content warning out there for suicidal ideation or, or, or it's, I don't even know. Um, it's not a suicide attempt, I don't think, but he did almost kill himself. You know? It's more like a deliberate disinterest in whether you live or die. Yeah. It was at best extremely stupid and at most triggering triggering suicidal ideation so right i think a content warning is appropriate i didn't quite understand what happened if i'm being totally honest i i i still don't really get why i i don't understand why that was the resolution to be honest i i don't i don't know why that was it like i, I could have understood more if he woke up from this stream and then you know, talked it out with Felicity. Like, honestly, that would have made a lot more sense to me. I think the part I struggled with the most is he was somewhere on his, like, he wasn't lost. He just stayed out too long with his horse nearby. I think a lot of times when you see people exposed to the elements in romance novels or in real life, the fact that things get near death or to the point of death are because of a lack of awareness of where you physically are, mm-hmm. a lack of awareness of how to get help. None of that was true in his circumstance. Like there was an implication, whether it was intended or not, that he chose to stay in the elements and not seek help. And I think that's where the suicidal ideation comes into play. He was not lost. Right. Exactly. Okay, sexiness. I thought this was the least sexy of the series. For a novella, it's not, like, there was a full sex scene. I don't know. I think the biggest issue is that, spoiler alert, what happens is he, it's after they have sex that he falls asleep has the ghost of Christmas future dream and then runs out into the cold and almost dies. Like the sex was so good that he made him kill himself. You know, (laughs) I think this was too angsty to be sexy for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the issue. Every time they were hooking up, it was like almost angry. Right. And where it wasn't angry, it was deliberately delusional. Like, I'm just feeling so many things, and I've suppressed my feelings for so long, and I don't know how I end up here, but I would like to put my tongue in your mouth to kind of, like, not figure it out, but, like, suppress the feelings I'm having. Yeah. And 
the time of the major sex scene, he wasn't even deliberately seeking her out. He was seeking out alone time, and she happened to be in that space. Yeah, she happened to be there, yeah. So I, I just think there wasn't ever, like, a deliberate I choose you mm-hmm. without a trope near-death experience. And I think that makes it really hard for me to find this sexy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, I, look, I am going to always recommend Red Hot Earl because I really enjoyed that book. It was really fun. And it was it was it was just really I think it was a very good little novella. Honestly, I would say skip the rest of the series. I'll just say it. I said it. I don't think this is the worst book we've reviewed on here, but I think what makes it hard is that there's nothing that comes after it that, like, you need this context to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is better than Gift of the Marquis. I, I mean, I don't disagree with you there. I think she engages with some interesting ideas in this one, whereas Gift of the Marquis... And you said this, like, Poppy is so baby crazy even in this book, which props for character consistency. But the fact that Felicity sort of responds to Poppy's like, you were married for seven years and had no babies. And Felicity's like, yeah, my husband was old and it didn't happen and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Even the way that's like done, like there's a lot of really well executed interpersonal dynamics too. Mm -hmm. It's just that the development from uh, Felicity and Chill from estranged former lovers with a lot of baggage between them to happily ever after feels so abrupt. Yeah. And he acts so shittily that it's hard to find this whole thing romantic and not like, oh, he needs like psychological help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does, he does need psychological help. Uh, And I, you know, I hope he gets it. <laughs> like that's what you say to a friend who's just dumped someone who's not a bad person but kind of sucks. I know. <laughs> okay, before we depart, what's your candy cane rating, Lane? One out of five. There's no Christmas here other than like the Christmas Carol like dream sequences. I know. There's no garlic. They get a Yule log, but like, not really. He has a nervous breakdown in the middle of the quest for the Yule log. I know. It's an emotional Yule log. (laughs) So. There are no gifts purchased for each other. It's a lot of, like, give the orphans a bed, I guess. But that's not Christmassy. You should do that anytime. You should do that all the time. You're right. But anyway, I, I'm I'm glad we finished out the series. I'm honestly glad we rented out the series because I will say rereading The Red Hot Earl and re-listening to our episode, we were like, we really liked this and it really makes me want to read the rest of the series. So we did it. We completed it. We are both completionists when it comes to this kind of thing. So it's done now. Achievement um, unlocked. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> Love is all around. You have won this achievement. <laughs> but 
look, I think Darcy Burke is a really interesting author. She is doing some interesting things. Um, so I like I like her writing in general, uh, and I do like some of the things that she talks about and what she's trying to do. Uh, sometimes she succeeds, sometimes she doesn't. But all in all, this one was fine. I think if you're looking for a cute Christmassy novella series, but you don't want the over-the-top commercial Christmas, like this is probably a really good fit for you. It's true. That's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. So thank you guys so much for listening. Happy holidays and have a wonderful night or day whenever you're listening to this. Uh, and don't forget to check us out on Goodreads, Instagram, and WordPress, wherever you find plot trysts.